Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. At time of recording, there have been over 1,000 confirmed cases of monkeypox across 29 countries, mostly in Europe and North America. The actual number of cases circulating in the population is likely much higher. We are in the midst of an outbreak of monkeypox, which is rarely found outside of West Africa. My guest today, Dr. Eric Toner, is a senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. We kick off discussing what exactly monkeypox is and how it spreads before having a broader conversation about ongoing efforts to contain this outbreak. As Dr. Toner explains, many of the unique qualities of monkeypox, including that we already have an effective vaccine against it, suggests that this outbreak is very much containable. This is obviously a very timely conversation, and I was very glad to be able to speak with one of the world's experts on health security, outbreak mitigation, and pandemic preparedness. And I think you will certainly appreciate Dr. Eric Toner's perspective. And as always, feel free to reach out to me if you have suggestions of topics you would like me to cover or people you would like me to interview or anything else that's on your mind. I always love hearing from you. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg, or you can use the contact button on globaldispatches.org. All right, now here is my conversation with Dr. Eric Toner, Senior Scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So monkeypox is uh, a viral illness that is a cousin of smallpox that is native to Central and West Africa, but which is rarely caused infections outside of Africa. It's been known uh, since I think 1950s. It's called monkeypox because it was first identified in a monkey, but monkeys are not the reservoir for the disease. The reservoir for the disease is rodents. And for the last decade or more, it has been uh, endemic in West Africa, meaning uh, there are constantly um, some cases and scattered outbreaks uh, through West Africa, to a large extent in Nigeria, but, but not exclusively in Nigeria. There are two main strains of monkeypox. One from the Congo region. It tends to be a much more severe disease with a fairly 
high mortality rate of about 10%. The milder strain is the West African strain, and that is the strain that we're all dealing with now. And that historically has had a fatality rate of about 1%. Although in the cases uh, that have occurred outside of Africa, the fatality rate has been nearly zero. And what do we know about how it is spread? So it is primarily spread by direct physical contact with uh, either the lesions, the, the pox themselves, or with bodily fluids from an infected person. So that could be respiratory droplets, um, saliva, or it could be other bodily fluids. And so, but it requires close uh, contact. It, it's not something that is spread through the air over long distances. It's not like COVID. So what accounts for the sharply divergent mortality rates for monkeypox, both strains? Uh, you said one was about a 10% mortality rate, which is really high. The other is about 1% uh, in Africa and a mortality rate outside of Africa that is, as you said, virtually zero. So there's a, a genetic difference in the two strains, which, which we believe is the cause of the of the more severe disease in the Congo Basin, um, as opposed to the West African strain. The probable reason that mortality rates are lower in the developed world is that we have modern healthcare um, with all that comes with that in, in terms of ability to, to treat the symptoms for IV fluids, for whatever is needed to take care of patients should they get very sick. So that probably expa- explains you know, the difference between the 1% mortality in West Africa traditionally and, and what we're seeing now. And before this current outbreak, how common uh, were outbreaks of monkeypox outside of Africa? It was very rare. Um, it, it would happen occasionally. Um, there, we had an importation of a single case of monkeypox uh, here in Maryland uh, not too long ago, um, last year. And that was a traveler from Nigeria. And so usually the cases that have occurred have been isolated cases of a traveler from an endemic area who got infected there, traveled home, and um, got sick and was diagnosed. Sometimes, very rarely, uh, there would be some secondary transmission, that is, somebody else in their family who had close contact um, might get sick, but, but actually that was quite rare. We did have one outbreak in the U.S. Um, a couple decades ago uh, that was related to um, rodents um, that were imported. Um, there were rodents that were imported from Africa, um, then infected some other rodents, and eventually 47 people got infected, but they were all mild disease, and there was... Uh, little or no uh, secondary transmission. Hmm. So this current outbreak seems much 
bigger, frankly, than any other outbreak outside Africa we've seen in many, many years. What do we know so far about how this outbreak has spread? Well, the current outbreak is being spread largely through um, close sexual contact, um, primarily among men who have sex with men. And, you know, where the index case was, we don't know for sure. There was an initial case in uh, London and a man who had traveled from Nigeria, but we don't know if that was the first case because there's no evidence that perhaps this has been spreading longer than we initially knew. But of the thousand confirmed cases, almost all of them are, are young men who have sex with other men. And there have been many, um, and many of the cases are related to either parties or raves or saunas or activities in which there was um, uh, sexual contact with multiple uh, partners, unknown partners. And so this seems to be the primary driver of the epidemic so far. There have been some, a few, uh, a handful of cases in women, uh, primarily um, household contacts. But so far, we are not seeing uh, significant evidence of transmission outside of this this particular network. Given that uh, the cases are, are are so far, you know, relatively few. We have about a thousand confirmed cases, though there are probably others, presumably, that are yes. kind of out there in the population that we we don't know about uh, and, anymore. Yeah. yeah, and and given that it's relatively difficult to spread compared to something like COVID, and also that its fatality rate is virtually zero. I mean, it seems to me that monkeypox right now, at least, and, and we're speaking on Tuesday, June 7th, seems like almost like a like a low stakes test for how we might approach containment of an emerging epidemic like this. What have we seen thus far, for example, from the World Health Organization in terms of confronting this, uh, this outbreak? I think the WHO, um, having learned lessons from COVID and other outbreaks, uh, Ebola, for example, um, has jumped on this uh, very aggressively. Um, I think they are working with the 27 or 28 countries um, that now have cases, um, supporting their efforts to to track um, track cases, do case um, investigations, contact tracing. Um, so WHO's WHO's role in this is primarily one of coordination and support. You know, most of the countries that have been affected so far through during this current epidemic outside of Africa are all relatively wealthy countries, or most of them are. And so they have fairly robust public health systems, and those systems are, are working hard to identify the cases, test them, isolate them, quarantine where that's necessary, and vaccinate. And so um, one of the advantages of monkeypox is that we have both 
effective vaccines and uh, effective treatments. Most of the time, treatment is not needed, but the vaccine has been administered to um, several thousand people so far around the world who have been in contact with people who've had identified cases. Uh, and so it seems like the emerging strategy is one in which uh, health authorities seek to test suspected cases, isolate those who have confirmed positive cases and in, in their contacts, and then maybe do that kind of ring vaccination of those who might be, you know, suspected contacts, first or secondary contacts of infected individuals. Are we seeing like that system kind of snap into pace, say here in the United States at a pace that is, suggests to you that this in fact will be contained? I am really quite confident that it will be contained. And, and yes, the system has snapped in place, I think, very, very quickly. I think the CDC has and, and the state health departments have done a good job um, in um, in being very responsive, um, doing what's needed to be done without being unduly alarmist. With I think their messaging has been pretty good, better than their messaging around COVID, for example, um, which is to say there's important information that certain people need to have and that healthcare providers and public health officials need to have. But it's important to emphasize that this is not a threat to the general public and this is not a gay disease. Rather, it is a disease that for right now is affecting a, a particular network of people. But chances are in the not too distant future, it, unless it's sort of successfully contained very quickly, presumably it has or will spread in many other different kinds of populations. Yes, I think that that is likely to be the case. Um, I do think it can be contained fairly quickly, but if not, then um, it will spread. You know, it it is it is probably a relatively easy disease to contain, in contrast to HIV, for example, and certainly in contrast to to COVID. Um, for the most part, the the people who are infected know they're infected because they have symptoms. Um, and there tend to be symptoms that would drive one to healthcare. Um, so in contrast to HIV, for example, where there are no symptoms for, for many years, um, people who are infected will be, can be identified pretty quickly. Um, so I do think it's, it's containable. And also in contrast to HIV, we have an effective vaccine that works even after somebody's been exposed, which is very unusual. We have very few vaccines that work after a person's been infected, but for the pox viruses, um, these vaccines do work if administered within a few days. So I've seen some commentary suggesting that at least in part, this outbreak may be a consequence of the fact that the smallpox vaccine is no longer routinely administered. Uh, you know, for, for listeners, smallpox was eradicated in what, like 1980 after a massive uh, effort, you know, by the World Health Organization, by the United Nations, by national governments. So smallpox has been wiped off the, the face of the earth. And so there hasn't been a need for the routine and mass vaccinations against 
smallpox. And yeah, as you said, smallpox is related to monkeypox. So do you buy that theory that a reduction in mass vaccinations of smallpox has perhaps contributed to this outbreak of monkeypox? I think that I think it probably is true um, that with waning vaccination in the population, uh, there's more opportunity for the virus to be exported from Africa to other other places. I think it's also true that it probably relates to the outbreak that's been going on in West Africa now for for a number of years um, in in Africa. You know, they have a young population and, you know, most of the vast majority of people have not been vaccinated against smallpox. So there's fertile ground for this virus to spread. I mean, is one policy implication, therefore, that vaccinations against smallpox should be ramped up, particularly in Africa? I don't think so, um, because the ring vaccination approach works so well. There's no need for mass vaccination. Um, the, the current uh, vaccine that's approved for use in monkeypox is a, is a safe and effective vaccine. But like any vaccine, there are, there are potential side effects and potential risks. And um, so I don't think it would be justified in trying to vaccinate the entire population. It just what is being done and what should be done is vaccinating those people who have had close contact with known cases. So, you know, you've sort of reassured me uh, and I think most of the audience that, you know, this in, in places uh, that are higher income, that have more robust health systems, this is very much like an easily containable challenge. To what extent might monkeypox, however, be spread to countries, to health systems that are less robust, that are less strong? And what might the international community do, if anything, to support those health systems as they potentially prepare to confront monkeypox arriving you know, within their borders? So I would assume that monkeypox is being exported to other regions that in which it's not endemic. Um, so far, we're not seeing that reported to any great extent in in the in the information that's being released by WHO. But that may be the because surveillance systems aren't yet picking it up. So I I, I do think it is likely that we will see more cases in other low and middle income countries that don't have the same resources as the high income countries that are mostly being affected now. I think the thing that would help the most um, is making sure they have vaccine available. And and so WHO uh, can play an important role in helping to get, uh, um, to ensure that, that all countries have access to uh, the uh, vaccines that are effective against monkeypox. And are there like sufficient stocks of that vaccine to your knowledge, or is it something that could be easily ramped up in production relatively like quickly? There are large stocks of, of vaccine. 
Um, most of them are are owned by the U.S. government uh, to a lesser extent by other governments. Um, whether or not the U.S. would be willing to donate or share those vaccines, I don't know. Um, but there are millions of doses uh, that are either housed within the U.S. national stockpile or under contract with Bavarian Nordic. Um, but that, that's like the I, company that, that creates that, that it. Is the okay. That is that, the company that makes the vaccine. Hmm. Um, there are other smallpox vaccines um, which are made in, in other countries. And um, I don't know about the, their ability. I don't, first of all, I don't know about the stockpiles they have. Um, I, I doubt that they're very large. Um, and uh, I don't know anything about the ability to quickly ramp up. I suspect they can't ramp up that quickly. Um, you know, it, it, there's a significant lead time in producing vaccines, particularly when they haven't been produced in them every day, you know, they, they have to get a, you know, a factory line going and, you know, that might involve hiring people. And, you know, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not a just press a button and start making more of this stuff. So um, I, I think, but I think there are enough vaccines to get started and probably enough to control the outbreak worldwide because this is not going to explode like COVID did. If this is not quickly contained, it will grow, but it'll grow slowly um, because it's not that transmissible, because it has a long incubation period, and because people will seek health care when they get sick, even in low-income countries, and can easily be isolated. So I, I'm not that worried. Along those those similar lines of, of not being sort of too worried, the biological facts of, of this disease that it you know, spreads relatively slowly suggest to you that you know even in low income countries and low resource settings, it probably won't present too much of a strain to health systems. I don't think it'll present a a strain to health systems. Where I do think. Can be a, what I do think can be a problem, and it could be even be a problem in high-income countries such as the United States, is in the ability to test people for it. That the test um, is not simply a, a nasal swab or a blood test; it involves taking a specimen from one of the pox, one of the pustules on the skin. And that has to be done carefully so that the person taking the specimen does not get infected. So it involves wearing personal protective equipment. The specimen has to be um, sent typically to a regional or national laboratory, which are the only places that have the capability to do the testing um, normally. And um, it, it takes time, it's expensive, and um, and I think probably many places don't have um, the easy uh, availability of that testing. They probably have to send it to something like a WHO regional laboratory. So I think testing can be a bottleneck. Um, in, in the days 
of the smallpox program, and we didn't, for the most part, test people. We just diagnosed them by looking at them. Um, and you can do that with monkeypox, too, if it's a classic case. But many of the cases that we've seen over the course of the last few weeks have not been classic cases. They've been fairly mild. Um, many have not had fever. Many have only a single lesion, a single pox, uh, rather than you know being covered in them. So, but what we don't know is how how transmissible those or how contagious those people are who have that those mm. that very mild disease. Um, but for for other people, for people who have the more classic presentation. Um, you can be pretty sure of diagnosis just by looking at the patient. I guess maybe like one policy concern or public health concern might be that, you know, if you do have this testing bottleneck, that if it takes a while to get a test result back, and if you are um, basing your decision on whether or not to vaccinate an individual or their contents on the positive result back, that that time lag could be sort of potentially problematic. Yes, it could be. And and what I think from a policy standpoint probably makes the most sense in a in a country that doesn't have the ability to do testing, you know, readily is is just to do ring vaccination um, based on a clinical diagnosis, based on just examining the patient. Mm-hmm. If the patient, you know, if a physician sees a patient and in his or her judgment, it looks like monkeypox. Then, you know, in in the setting of an outbreak, uh, I would advocate for doing ring vaccination, even without a laboratory confirmation. Hmm. Uh, so, lastly, what lessons from COVID might be productively applied uh, right now in this kind of early stage of the identification of this outbreak? Well, um, you know, I think one of the lessons um, is is around communication and the importance of of communication, Um, being clear, uh, honest, uh, honest about what you know, about what you don't know, about what you need to find out, how you're going to find that out. Um, I I think there's there are lessons about uh, the fact that we need to have more robust testing capability, even in high-income countries. Uh, we learned this lesson in COVID, and I think we're going to learn it again now with monkeypox, that we need to have an even larger network of laboratories that can do all kinds of, of testing. Um, and I think you know, it's yet again another lesson about the importance of public health and that we need to invest in our public health systems because public health are the people who respond to things like this. Uh, lastly, and I think I just said lastly, but lastly, lastly this time, yes. uh, in the coming sort of days or weeks or even months, are there any like inflection points that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you whether or not indeed uh, this outbreak is being contained or conversely, if it is 
being uh, spread without much abandon with that with the abandon. So I, I what what I'm looking for and hope we don't find are lots of cases for which we cannot find a connection to known train known chains of transmission. That is, people who are have confirmed monkeypox and they don't know where they got it and we can't find out where they got it because that would indicate that there's much more disease out there and there are other chains of transmission that we don't know about. The other thing that I would look for is a change in the demographic pattern of the patients. So if we start seeing lots of people who are outside um, the network of men who have sex with men, um, if we start seeing many more people like that, then um, that would also be an indication that there's more transmission going on outside of, of that network. Uh, well, Dr. Toner, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for asking me. And kind of reassuring. <laughs> well, good. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dr. Toner. That was great. And yeah, I am uh, somewhat reassured by his expert take that indeed this is eminently containable. And of course, I'll be following the trajectory of this outbreak as events unfold in the coming weeks and months. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.